This morning our passage is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. We continue to look at our faith that pleases God and our focus will be Noah here this morning. He is lifted up as an example of the type of faith that we're to have. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. Follow along as I read God's word. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. May God bless his word here this morning. We've been looking at and answering the, the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? And the author of Hebrews is laying it out example by example, but person by person, what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to, 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 to believe? What does faith look like? What, what is a person who, who is a true Christian? What do they look like? What are the, what are the attitudes, the behaviors, the desires, the, the activity of of true saving faith, what does it look like? And that's what the writer has been helping us to, to see, and he will continue to, to do it person by person uh, throughout Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, uh, we've seen so far, we've looked at uh, these saints that were uh, living and acting in faith before the flood we've seen so far, the faith of, of Abel, his, his faith, worship God on, on God's terms. We, we, we saw the, the faith of, of Enoch, the faith that of one who, who walked with God and, 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 uh, and pleased God. And today we'll see a faith uh, that is a faith of action, faith, true saving faith, Acts, true saving faith works. And the commending of God and of these men, these three men, is based upon their faith. And as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, I, I want to say this, and I, and I want this to, to be in your mind as we study these men. God is not giving us this list to tickle our fancy. Not to just not for us to to evaluate and to be entertained by what we see of these men and women and their example. But God is is not just simply giving us interesting information about how they live. God is telling us these things so that it can impact the way we live. This is very practical. This is practical. God is giving us examples, practical examples that we can look to, that we can study, that we can meditate upon. 
And as we look to them and their example, it can help us to, to know and to understand how it is that we are to live our lives of faith in a fallen world. This truth is meant to impact our lives. It is meant to impact the way we live our lives today. Amen. So what we'll see with, with, with Noah is that true faith leads to obedience. True faith acts. Noah's faith caused him to act. Look with me at the text. Look at the beginning of verse seven. And it says here, the writer, he introduces Noah with this familiar phrase. By faith. Noah. We learn here that Noah was a, a man of faith. He acted as a as a as a result of a faith that was assured of things hoped for, a faith that is convicted of unseen realities. This is what the author has already defined for us in verse one. Noah, he says, by faith, Noah, the emphasis is on faith. Not upon the man Noah himself, but upon his faith. Remember, we read in verse six that Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. It's impossible. It is not a possibility for one to please God without faith. It's impossible. It's impossible. The, the Christian walk is a, is a walk of faith. It's not a walk where we, we are moved and, and motivated by the things we see. No, the, the life that pleases God, the life that God desires of us is a life of faith. He says that without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever, whoever. That's the qualification. Whoever would draw near to God must absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Must believe. That he exists. No, not believe some things. Oh, I believe that God, you know, what I believe that, that there is a God. <laughs> no, you, uh, uh, a faith that a uh, one who draws near to God must believe that he exists. It's a, it's a fact. A fact that governs one's life, that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And we'll, we'll, we'll notice two things about Noah. A man of faith. He, he believed God, although he could not see what God had promised was coming. He, he, he believed God would, would, would send a, a great flood to cover the earth. He, he believed that he and his family would be saved. By him building the ark. This is what we'll see here as we look at uh, Genesis and as we look at this passage here. But Noah, by faith, Noah. Second, he took heed to, to God's warning. Look, look what's come next in verse seven. It says, by faith, Noah, 
being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. The first thing we should notice here, Noah being warned by God. Noah obviously had a personal relationship with God. Obviously, Noah communed with God. He, he had a close fellowship with God. Turn to Genesis chapter six and, and we'll see this. Genesis chapter six and this, this reality will be seen. And this speaks of God's graciousness to, to Noah, that he warned him of what was to come. In Genesis chapter six, starting at verse number five. Here, Moses writes, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continual. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. This is speaking in terms that we can understand God and his attitude toward sinners. Verse number seven. So the Lord said, verse five said, the Lord saw the, the wickedness of man. Verse seven. So the Lord said, I will blot out what man, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. These are the things of the created order. And God will blot all of these things out because of man's sin. That's how bad sin is. This is an illustration for us of how, how bad sin really is before a holy God. Look at verse eight. But Noah found favor in the Lord's in in the eyes of the Lord. I'll continue to read. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a, a righteous man. Blameless in his generation. Notice that in his generation, he's living in a generation where the, the, the all the the intense, every intention of the hearts of the people around him are evil. And evil continues. Noah walked with God. What's interesting about this, it doesn't say anything about his family walking with God. That's not the emphasis. The emphasis is, is, is Noah. He, he, he walked with God. He, he, he was humble before God. He was submissive before God. He walked with God. He communed with God. He fellowshiped 
with God. Look down at verse 13. We know he fellowship with God because God spoke to him. Verse 13 says, and God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them, uh, through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He goes and he tells, this is God com communicating to Noah. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 30 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make the roof, make a roof for the ark. And finish it to a cubic above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which, uh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But, there's another but, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, your sons, your wife, and your sons wives with you and of every living thing li living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you they shall be male and female of the birds according to their kind of the animals according to their kinds of everything uh, every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. And notice verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. He was controlled. He was a man controlled by what God said. He didn't question it. He didn't analyze it. God was specific, wasn't he? God gave him specific instructions on what to do. He didn't suggest I would do this and not that. No, it says Noah did this. He did all that God commanded. Noah, he, he was, go, let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Now that we have the background, we understand that God had warned Noah about a future event. As he, the, the writer of Hebrews says, as yet unseen. He was warned of this, this, this flood, this, this catastrophic flood that was to come. And, and, and in this warning, as God was warning Noah, no doubt 
Noah understood something about God. He understood God's righteous anger, God's and the imminent judgment that that will come from God against sin. He 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 no doubt understood that. He 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 no doubt came to know God a little bit better by this warning. John Murray says in exposition of of Romans chapter one verse eighteen, talking about the wrath of God. He says, wrath is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is the contradiction of his holiness. Noah, he came to notice about God because God revealed that to him. That God is a, a, a God who is angry against sin the wrath of god is is the outcome of his his as as was in the the theme for the day it's the the outcome of his righteous glorious holy judgment on those who reject him and his word and noah came to to notice because god communicated it to him in the relationship that he had with him and how did noah respond how did he respond to the warning and and notice the text says in reverent fear he didn't just believe in god's word he responded with 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 reverent fear and and we have to say that this is not a sinful fear this is this is not a sinful fear of god listen listen how michael reeves defines sinful fear he says, quote, sinful fear drives you away from God. Like Adam and Eve, they hid themselves in the garden. Sinful fear drives you away from God. This is what, this is what the world is doing. They are living in, in sinful fear. They're, they're moving away from God. This is the he says, this is the fear of the unbeliever who hates God, who fears being exposed as a sinner. And so runs from God. He does not. Sinful man does not want to be exposed. Perhaps there are some here today. You're living a a life that gives all the appearance that you're 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 running to God but you're really running away from him this this is not the the this is not the description of, of a believer a believer responds in in reverent fear Noah responded with trust in God's word and reverent fear for for God he didn't want to disappoint God Turn back to Genesis. Turn back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. This is this, and we can understand why why Noah had this this reverent fear of God, this 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 reverent fear that 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 moves toward God, that that obeys God, that desires to and seeks to please God. Look at verse number eight. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes 
of the Lord. Nor found favor, nor nor found uh, a favor in, in the eyes of the Lord. And, and, and because of this, no doubt, nor responded in faith. Look down at verse 22. I, I just finished reading it. It said, Noah did this. He did all that, that God commanded him. This, this is not, this is not a, a man who is going away from God. This is a man who is running toward God to obey what he has heard of God. And this, this, is, this, this is what Mark read, Pastor Mark read in Psalm 9, verse 10. It says, those who know your name put their trust in you. Noah knows God. And because he knows God, because he, he is intimately acquainted with God, he moves toward God. He trusts in God. Those, those who know your name put their trust in you, the psalmist said. In Psalm 147, Psalm 147 says this. Psalm 147, verse 10. Verse 10 and 11. Talking about God and what he delights in. It says he delights in uh, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure. Listen to what the Lord takes pleasure in. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. There's a sense where one who is God-fearing will be God-trusting because they know God. This, this is not a, a fear where, where one cowers in the corner and refuses to, 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 to act. No, this is a fear that, that, that knows God, that knows his love, that, that, that moves toward him. Turn to Jeremiah. Turn, turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 32. And we get a little bit more insight into this, 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 this fear that this reverential fear that pleases God. Jeremiah chapter 32 verses. We'll start at verse 38 through 40, and then we'll turn to chapter 33. Talking about the new covenant. Here, Jeremiah is, is, is in, informing us of the new covenant. Verse 30, 38 says, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. Notice, for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. 
Where does that reverential fear come from? God. He says, I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. This is not the fear of punishment that God that God gives us. This is not the, the fear that one day we'll be put. No, this is a, a the, the fear that leads to hope. <laughs> Turn to chapter 33. Look down at verse eight and nine. It says, I will cleanse, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble. Notice why it is that God says they will fear and tremble. Notice that it's not for punishment. It's not for punishment. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. We, we, we have a, 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 a reverential fear, yes, because God is holy, but we also have reverence for God because he is a God who is loving when he doesn't have to. For us in Christ, we, 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 should, we should live in, in, in the light of, of God's holiness and, and God's love for us rather than the, in the fear of judgment because we've been justified by faith and we have peace with God through Christ, according to Romans chapter five, verse one. Romans chapter five, uh, verse five says that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the Holy Spirit. God has poured out his love into our hearts we, we know God's love. We understand God's love because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And because of this, we have hope, not the fear of judgment. This, this is something that is hard for us to grasp because we we like we're like Paul in Romans seven. The, the the good I wanna do, I don't do, but the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Yeah, we that's that we we know that about ourselves. And 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 because we know that about ourselves, sometimes we we can stand before God and say, How can you love someone like me? How how can you be good to someone? Like me. And this is where we have to run to the truth of Scripture and remember who we are in Christ. Look at 
And as we we grow in our understanding of God's love for us and and his grace that is that enables us to live the Christian life. And we 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 grow in our understanding of his love. First John chapter four, verse 18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fears. We understand God's love and his, the, the, the perfection of the love in which he, he loved us. That love drives the fear of judgment away from our hearts. John says, for the fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There is no there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We 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 have to understand that as we we face a holy God. And as we come to terms to to with with the fact that we are undeserving of his his loving grace and yet he loves us because of Christ. More Lord Joan observes in regards to this, he says the Christian should be free from the fear of judgment. The natural man should fear it. The Christian should be free from such fear. He says, is there anything that is more glorious about the gospel than just that? But he says this, he says, but there are people who dispute this. There are poor Christian people who believe that it is their, listen to what he says. He said there are poor Christian people who believe that it is their duty to be miserable. There are those who say that it is presumptuous for people in this life and world who know the darkness of their own heart, who know something of the justice and righteousness and holiness of God, he says, to to be free from that fear. He says, in other words, and in the words of Milton, they scorn delights and live laboriously days, <laughs> laboriously, laborious days. Afraid to say they have the joy of the Lord or the assurance of salvation. And he goes on, he says, yet surely it is unscriptural to do so. It is unscriptural to 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 live a life that 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 cowers in the corner because of fear for being judged by God. No, notice Noah's response. This is by faith. Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. Notice this is his response, constructed an ark. There's a flood coming. There has never been a flood before. There was no basis outside of God's word for Noah to build an ark. There, there was no basis for his action. He's building an ark on dry land. But all, all Noah had 
what God, was God's word. This is what God said is going to come. And Noah took God in his word. He, his faith endured and he built this massive ship unlike any other ship ever known during that time. Can you imagine it? You know, one of these days we're going to go visit the Ark Encounter. I heard that it's big, it's huge. And we're talking about a primitive time. Not with tools that we have, you know, you got power saws, drills, all that, nails, all that good stuff. We got all these primitive things. Noah didn't have that. All he had was God's instruction, the word of God. That's all he had. Out in the middle of nowhere, he, he builds this big, huge boat on dry land. The amazing thing is that he wasn't distracted by the culture around him, who no doubt was ridiculing him. You building a boat? Man, the sun is out every day. Ain't no water around here. Why are you building this boat? And it's a huge boat. Who's going to be in this huge boat? It's just you and your family. Noah endured. Because of his faith, he endured. And he because because his his faith was focused on the unseen. Spurgeon said this, quote, faith cares not for probability. Or possibility. But rest alone in the word of the Lord. End quote. True faith doesn't look and try to reason and 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 and, and try to 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 figure out with logic. Why it is that God has commanded something to be done. Or whether. One should do it. No, it just does it because God said it. And that's enough. Noah wasn't focused on his circumstances. The, the, the evidence around him. Was was obviously. Against everything that he knew, but he know one he knew one thing. He heard God's word. He heard God's word of judgment, and he heard God's word of salvation, and trusted it to be true. Beloved, are you willing to believe God even when it doesn't make sense? God says, "Take." the gospel to the world and you say they're not going to listen. God didn't, he didn't, that, that wasn't a qualification of whether or not you take the gospel. Or they, they, they haven't listened so far. So I guess I need to stop. God didn't tell you to do that. You preach and pray. You construct 
your life the way God said it, regardless of how the world is living around you. You don't conform to the world. You don't embrace their philosophies and doctrines. Because all you have and all you need is what God has said. This is where the promise lies. This is where the hope lies in God's word. When we start being like the culture, it's no wonder the culture doesn't come to us because we look like them. Noah constructed the ark. Nobody else is building the ark. Noah built it because God told him to do it. And what was the result? It says, for the saving of his household. His, his household would say, Noah, Noah's faith was a blessing to his family. Genesis chapter 6, verse 18 is God says, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. And in and, and, and chapter 7, verse 1, God, God declared to him, go into the ark. The time has come. The ark is built. Flood is coming. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, God says, Now go into the ark, and you and all your household, for I have seen not their righteousness. I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Charles Stanley used to say, trust God and leave the consequences up to him. It was it was up to God whether Noah's family would be saved and God was merciful to save his family. But that's not always the case. And I want you to think about something else. Noah building this this ark and his family benefited from from his faith. I want to ask you this question. Are you are you a blessing for the kingdom of God? Christ has furnished all of us who are his people with spiritual gifts to to build up his kingdom. All of us have blessings that God has entrusted to us and, and he expects us to use those blessings to build up his kingdom and to benefit his people. Or are, 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 are you being a blessing to the kingdom of God? Are you being a, a good steward of the blessings that God has has given you for others. Your life doesn't belong to you, beloved. Your gift that God has given you, it doesn't belong to you. All of those things that you're good at, they don't belong to you. 
if you belong to God, they belong to him. And you're just a steward. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse 14. You've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ. And you're his servant, his slave. Matthew chapter 25, verse, verses 14 through 30, we'll be looking at. This is the parable of the talents. You have a wealthy man who uh, entrusts his property uh, to his servants. Verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Hit notice, it's his property. What he gives to them is his. The one he gave five talents to another, two to another, one to each, to each according to his ability. Then he went his way. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five more talents. He made more. So also he who had two talents made two more talents. But he who had received the one talent went and dug and in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I'm, I've made two more talents, two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master. Look how he characterizes his master. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Notice it. <laughs> Notice how he said, here you have what is yours. There's a sense of indifference in the way he said that. Here you have what is yours. He's indifferent. The master's interest is, is, is not his own. But his master answered him, you wicked. He, he knew the real deal. You wicked and slothful servant, you lazy. You knew that I reap where I've sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have 
invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was mine owned with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Even as believers, this should disturb us to know that we have been given all that we have in order to be a blessing for God and his kingdom. Is this how you see your life? That that my life and all that I have is at the Lord's disposal to use as he pleases. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, what do you have that you did not receive? All that Noah used to build the ark, where did it come from? God. All the wood that he used, all, everything that he used to build the ark, where did it come from? It was God's. And he was a good steward. And because he was a good steward, his, his family benefited from it. Paul said, what do you have that you did not receive? He says, then if you receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? J.C. Ryle noted this. He says, all that we have is a loan from God. We're, we are God stewards. We are God debtors, end quote. Everything that you have, your children, your car, your money, your job, your life, it belongs to God. And God has given it to you in order for you to use it for the sake of his kingdom. Noah took all that God had blessed him with and blessed the world with and he used it to construct an art that benefited him and his family. Ryle goes on, he says to, to hide to hide our talent is to neglect opportunities of glorifying God. And he goes on, he says, let us leave this parable, the parable just read in Matthew, he says, let us leave this parable with a solemn determination by God's grace never to be content with the profession of Christianity without practice. He says, let us not only talk about religion, but act. Let us not only feel the importance of saving faith in Christ, but do something too. End quote. So we must ask the question, are we wasting the opportunity and the talents that God has given us? Are we indifferent to the Lord of the church and his interest in building his kingdom? Are we indifferent in trying to build our kingdom? 
have we bought into this do nothing excuse making indifferent christianity have we bought into that noah built the ark and 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 noah's faith is is in striking contrast to the world around him and 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 the writer of hebrews says his faith and obedience condemned the world he says by this he condemned the world hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 continuing there by this he condemned the world by what by his faith by his faith that caused him to act his faithfulness to god in building the ark proclaimed that god will it it proclaims something about god that god will judge that god is holy he his building his very building of this ark by faith condemned the world It, it 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 commended that God is a a rewarder. It, it commended his family that 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 God is a reward of those who believe in Him. They they would have understood this from Noah's faith. But. As I was thinking about this and thinking about Noah building this ark and in the midst of a, 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 a sinful, wicked people, rebellious people, it, 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 it wasn't easy for him. They, they said that Noah was a, a, a herald of righteousness in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. But Noah didn't have one convert. We don't know how long it took for Noah to build the ark. But while he was building the ark and while he was proclaiming, perhaps, look, y'all need you need to repent. No one came. No one. They they went about in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39. They says that they were marrying and. They were just going on with life as, as usual. They didn't believe the warning. And this is and this is why God's evaluation stands out, because God said in Genesis chapter six, verse five, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continued. So they're not going to listen. And do you know, beloved, that's God's evaluation of the world today? It hasn't changed. That's why we, we, this is why we, we should not be trying to be friends with the world. Because Romans 3, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, no one is righteous, no, not one. This is God's evaluation of the world around us. We live in a godless age in which people are un 
prepared for judgment. All of those people in the world, they were unprepared for the judgment that was coming. And it's the same today. There are people you know, people you work with, people you go to school with. They are unprepared for what is coming. And it's going to come, beloved. It's coming. God has set a time. His judgment is coming. And it was nearer today than it was yesterday. But we're to be in the midst of all of this. We're to be, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and through 17, we're to be careful how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's, 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 our, that's our focus, understanding what the will of the Lord is and living according to his will. Peter says, first Peter chapter four, verses one through five, Peter says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to leave for the rest, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensual passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised. <laughs> With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. The world is surprised that you're not being like them when you live by faith. They, they're surprised. What? This makes sense. How we living makes sense. What we believe makes sense. What? You're not going to follow us? But Peter goes on, he says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. But this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that through uh, that through uh, judge, that though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Noah's building the ark condemned the world. And his faith, by faith, he became an heir of righteousness that comes. Uh, it says at the end of verse seven, and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was not saved by building the ark, 
He, it said that he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith, nor is saved by faith. Before he even got the instructions, it says in Genesis 6, chapter 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That was before God gave him instructions about the ark. That was before God warned him about the impeding judgment. Grace came first. Favor came first. And because he found favor with God, God, in a sense, had uh, given him the faith that he had. And he is able to fulfill God's requirement where God said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Nor didn't shrink back. He worked for for how long it was in building the ark. He his faith because of his faith he faithfully endured and he wasn't bothered by what he saw around him. And so what we learn from this 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 passage about Noah is that that faith saves and saving faith. It is a, a living faith. It, 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 it saves, but, but it's a, it's a, it, it acts, it causes us to act as well. And Noah's faith led to his building the ark. And his family was, was preserved from, from the judgment of the flood. And in the same way for us, beloved, you exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith preserves you. Your faith in Christ. Uh, preserves you from the eternal judgment of God. Judgment which we deserve. We deserve God's judgment. But because of God wanting to show the uh, and put on display his, his marvelous grace, God saved us. And we are his workmanship, saved for good works. So not so we boast in ourselves, but that we would find our boast in Christ. Let us live like Noah. Let let us live believing in Christ, believing that he is our Lord and Savior believing that he will come back one day to judge, believing that those who are around us who don't know Christ, they will face him in the judgment one day if they don't turn and repent of their sins. We must construct our lives the way that God has 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 uh, designed for us in scripture according to, to sanctification. We must grow in sanctification, but we must tell others about the coming judgment. And we must use every talent, every gift we have to benefit the kingdom of God.
So are you living like Noah? Are you allowing God to use you to build his kingdom? Let us pray. Father, we know that we were not redeemed with silver and gold. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a price he had to pay in order for us to be protected and not have to experience the coming judgment. And because of the price that he paid for us, we get a sense of your love for us in Christ. We, we, we get a sense of, 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 of your love for us. And this is why Paul, he, he, he commands uh, believers to, to come to, to, to understand the, and, and to know the height, the depth, the, and, and the width of your love for, of your love, uh, in Christ for us. And the more we understand uh, your love, uh, and, and the perfection of the love that you have for us, the more it will compel us and motivate us to live for you, to give our lives for you in every shape, form, or fashion. Father, we, we don't live as we ought oftentimes because we're focused on ourselves. We're focused on our abilities and what we can do and what we can't do rather than saying, by God, if you open the door for me to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve for you. Whether others are doing it or not, I'm going to do it. That's the least we can do because of what Christ has done. And when it gets tough, when it, when it gets tough for us, help us to remember what Christ endured. When we're suffering, when we're going through persecution, help us to remember the holes that Christ has in his hands and the holes that Christ has in his feet. Help us to remember the blood that he shed on the cross and help us to remember the fact that he died. He died a real death at the hands of evil men so that we may live and serve you. Help us not to be selfish and indifferent to the blessings that we have in Christ. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for the ark of safety that we find in Christ. Be with us. Give us the grace to live 
for Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.